the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor. Today is Friday, May the 1st, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1486, Christopher Columbus convinced Queen Isabella to fund his expedition to the West. I'm glad she did that. Today in 1707, the the Kingdom of Great Britain was created. A treaty was signed merging England and Scotland. 1707. Today in 1931, New York's 102-story Empire State Building was dedicated. Today in 1945, a day after Hitler took his own life, I mentioned that yesterday, this Admiral Karl Donetz, he uh, effectively became the sole leader of the Third Reich. The suicide of Hitler's propaganda minister, Joseph Goebbels, cleared the table. Nobody was left but Karl. Ironically, today in 1927, the same day, Hitler held his first Nazi meeting in Berlin. So in two short sentences, we see the beginning and the end of his political career. It's amazing. Today, 1960, the Soviet Union shot down American U-2 reconnaissance plane, captured its pilot. You'll remember this was in the news all the time. Francis Gary Powers the YouTube pilot. Remember that? Today, 1961, Fidel Castro announced no more elections in Cuba. He said they are not necessary, the unnecessary, I think. No more elections. Today, 1963, Jim's, Jim Whitaker, he became the first American to conquer Mount Everest. He and his Sherpa guide reached the summit. Jim Whitaker, as you know, was Seattle resident, actually on the east side, on lived on Lake Sammamish. Today, 1967, Elvis Presley married Priscilla at the Aladdin Hotel in Las Vegas. They divorced in 1973. And today in 2009, Supreme Court Justice David Souter, he announced his retirement effective at the end of the court's term. That was would have been in late June. In June. President Barack Obama chose federal judge Sonia Sotomayor to succeed him. And today in 2011, President Obama announced the death of Osama bin Laden during a U.S. commando operation. I think we all remember that. It was actually May the 2nd in Pakistan. At the time, it was May 1st here. But today in 2011, President Obama announced that. American special forces were terrific as they visited Obama Osama bin Laden with justice and they still are they do a great job protecting us we should always be thankful and grateful to them for their service to the country I want to give you a word from the Lord I believe this morning Isaac Watts wrote a lot of songs a lot of hymns we don't sing many if any of them much anymore but they're powerful They're deeply, 
deeply rooted in Scripture. One of the hymns that he wrote, he actually wrote for kids. It even had a different name. But we know it as I sing the power of God, or I sing the almighty power of God as it is in some hymnals. But the words, the words to the hymn, I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule by day. The moon shines full at God's command and all the stars obey. God is in control and he will continue to be in control because God, heaven and earth, shall pass away. But God, his word... <laughs> will never pass away. You know, 11, 11 of the 12 apostles were martyred. With the 12th John, he, he was reportedly thrown into a boiling pot of oil, but miraculously survived. As we know, he ended up on the island and wrote some terrific things that we have today, inspired by God, God's word. If the government caught Christians assembling, in Rome, they were subject to being arrested and killed. That's why the Christians met in caves and other unusual places, but the caves were carved out underground, all under the city. We call them the catacombs today. Marjorie and I visited that one some years ago. It's not a place that I would like to spend my time, but that's where they were at that time. And they were thankful to God for his faithfulness. Now, we're not in catacombs here in America, at least not yet. But I will tell you that when we go through difficult times, God is there, God is faithful, and God's promises are forever. I got this note from one of our listeners. I just got it a couple of days ago. He wrote it back on the 24th of April, so about a week ago. Dear Gary, thank you for your message on the radio today. It confirmed many answers to prayer that I've had in the past few weeks. May the Lord continue to bless your ministry. Thank you. That's an answer to our prayers every morning as we come on the air, that God will somehow use what we say. It is what we say is directed at informing but there's always a very acute awareness on my part that God speaks to us in different and unusual ways. And sometimes something is said really that's not even emphasized. That can be the Lord prompting. I know it happens to me a lot. I'll be listening to someone or maybe a Christian program or something or listening in a service. And the Lord will prompt me about something that was said that wasn't even the main point of what was being talked about. But that's the way God works in our personal lives. And every day I pray that God will speak to your heart, will bring you encouragement and hope, information for sure, because that's what we key on here every day. This is not a Bible study. It would be more fun for me if it was. But it's about what's happening in our culture. And I want to thank you for supporting us. These are turbulent times, no question about it. I got this note yesterday online, a person made a, an online uh, contribution to the ministry. 
and he said, Hi, Gary, I appreciate your radio broadcast, and I thought I'd contribute 10% of my stimulus check toward your ministry. Keep up the good fight. God bless you. He, uh, he gave $240. Thank you. And to all of you who support us, thank you so much. We need your support. We need your prayer support. We need your financial support. I thank you. To so many of you who are so faithful every month, you make this possible. And to all of you who are thinking about it, maybe listening in, you feel there's value here, ministry value, I would encourage you to go ahead and join us and do what you can to help make this possible every day. We need your help. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Well, millions of Christians will attend their church services again this Sunday online. (laughs) Their pastor will be streamed, most from an empty sanctuary. These are unusual times, but it could be worse. A house church pastor in China has been arrested. Another one happens all the time. Been arrested for refusing to join the Communist Party's state-sponsored Christian church. Can you imagine the Communist Party has now put out the guidelines for what a Christian church should look like and what they should teach? His church is also empty this Sunday, but he's not streaming anything. He's sitting in jail. The charge, and I want to talk to you a little bit about the charge. The charge against him is, quote, inciting subversion of state power. Let's talk a little bit about when the state deems the church to be subversive. When does the state overreach its authority exactly regarding the church? U.S. Attorney General William Barr, he made a statement this week. He said he's going to take legal action against any state officials who violate people's civil rights, including religious freedoms. He fully understands that we're going through a very difficult time and we're trying to distance our social distance ourselves. And I agree, we, we need to do that. But he's saying the Constitution does not go out of effect during a crisis, including this crisis. And we need to be informed. We Americans, particularly on the far left, we've been obsessed in recent years with the so-called separation of church and state. I see pastors worried about that all the time. They're more worried than they should be. But the left is always exploiting this. Recent? Every day. It's not at all what Thomas Jefferson had in mind. It's not at all what he said. We're obsessed with this more recently because nobody believed that some years ago. The century that followed our founding, Thomas Jefferson's words to the Danbury Baptists meant what they said. Jefferson promised that he and the other founding fathers had created a wall of protection for the church against any meddling by the government in the affairs of the church. I get that. The Danbury Baptists got it. Everybody got that. In fact, Jefferson was was the guy in our government who instigated churches meeting in the Capitol because he said, and I'm quoting him, 
There's nothing going on on the weekend, on Sundays, so churches should use that space. And at least three churches were meeting there at one time in our early history, in the Capitol building. Tell me how that's separating church and state. But as secular, secularism has infected the culture, the atheists, the humanists, they've declared that even Jefferson himself did not understand what he was saying. What he meant was, they say, it's the other way around. The wall, they say, suppresses the church and keeps the Christians from any public expression of faith. If you put a little wooden manger and a couple of plastic people there and a little baby in the manger, you've broken the law if it's on public property or government-owned property. That's how far we've come from the truth. But it's been a, it's just something they've repeated again and again and again. And finally, generation after generation has come to the point that they say, well, yes, that must be what's in the Constitution. Well, none of it's in the Constitution. But it's all revising a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptists. Oh, yeah, the Constitution says we can't have a, a state government. We don't want a state church. China has that. We don't want that. The wall is a form of religious distancing. And it's not constitutional. Now separation has become a tool to subvert the church and religious freedom and expression. We're testing the limits to which the government can control the church in our current Chinese virus pandemic. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying this morning because I don't want to be misunderstood, but if, if I am, so be it. I'm not opposing taking measures, even strong measures, to bring this virus epidemic, pandemic, under control. But we need to look no further than China to see the extreme of unchecked government subverting the Christian church. Pastor Jao is a Chinese pastor. He'll not be streaming his service this Sunday, as I said. Here's why. He's a pastor of a house church. That's a non-government authorized church. In other words, they don't, it's not legal. In China, I haven't spent time in China in missionary work, but I have in other communist-dominated countries, including Poland in the 70s. They're not that way now at all. But in the 70s, the, the communists had their heel right on the throat of the Polish Christians. I've been with them. I've stayed in their homes. I could tell you stories that would touch your heart about what they went through for the faith. And I've stayed in their humble little flats, their homes, and I've preached in their churches. And some of the churches were state-sponsored, state-approved, and some of them were not. The ones that were not couldn't even announce their service times, but everybody knew there were ways of communicating. So I have a first-hand experience with this, and not just a one-time experience. But these house churches grow up because the people are not rebellious. They're unwilling to compromise their belief in the Bible and in their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, in China, the state-authorized Christian church is called the Three Self-Patriotic Association. (laughs) That's their words, not mine. But this is the state-approved Christian church association. So if you're a part of that, you're okay. They're not going to send you to jail. 
probably, but you're going to do what they tell you to do, and you're going to preach a gospel that they give you. And I'll come back to that in a moment, but ABC News reported last year, it was just about a year ago right now, I looked at the story. Again, I was aware of it because I think I quoted this about a year ago. But they reported last year on China's Confucian culture immersion. That's what they called it. That's what China called it. It's courses for religious leaders, quote, as part of a campaign to extend government control over faith communities through a process of Sinaizing or making it more China-ish. ABC said, quote, the ruling Communist Party's United Worker Front Department said in a news release issued Monday that the activity was designed to ensure the primacy of traditional Chinese values above all else. As they reported, the president of China has launched the harshest crackdown in decades on religious practices, especially those viewed as foreign, such as Christianity. Under this immersion project, party bureaucrats demanded that key religious tenets and texts from the Bible be interpreted in conformity with the demands of modern Chinese development and the excellent, these are their words, excellent traditional Chinese culture. This was followed up by a campaign of removing crosses, bulldozing many churches. Pastor sermons were reviewed. Some of the Confucius teaching is mandatory now in sermons in approved churches in China, Christian churches. They have to show in their sermons, and they're monitored, they're checked upon. They have to show in their sermons that the Bible and Confucius are the same. They're compatible. So you can be a Christian and follow Confucius and be a Confucius believer as well. That's the that's the, the goal. I mean, it's a stated goal. So the teaching is mandatory in the sermons. If you're going to have a legal church, an accepted church by the state, you got to preach Confucius and show in your sermons how the Bible and Confucius are compatible. Confucius quotes are placed in prominent places in all, not most, but all Christian churches that are approved. In fact, last Sunday, or, or two Sundays ago, I guess it was Easter Sunday, the government, Chinese government on Easter Sunday was out bulldozing down Christian churches in China. Uh, not one or two, but a lot of them. The reason they said, and these would, would have been non-approved churches, the reason they said they were doing that, the official reason, was because they said the cross was higher than the Chinese flag that was on the side of the church. The cross was up on the steeple, and so that was insubordination. That was subversion. And they bulldozed down the churches on Easter Sunday. Family Research Council has been talking about this recently, and they said here just recently, the last few days, I read something that Tony Perkins had put out. It says that China uses all matter of, of uh, new technology and all of these kinds of things to suppress religious practice. They said in their piece that I read, uh, Family Research, they said religious freedom is rapidly deteriorating in China. All matter of new technology to control and suppress religious practice. It's not exactly the same, but i got to tell you, that caught my attention because I've been reading and following how we're controlling this coronavirus, 
how we're suppressing the curve and all of that. And I, I'm not opposed to that at all. I mean, I don't want to get it and die. I'm over 40 and 50. But I saw this article. Cairo TV has been reporting this recently. And I saw this and actually I got a couple of uh, email from listeners uh, just since yesterday overnight or, or early this morning that were alerting me to this story. And I, I had it in front of me. It was marked to talk about today on this program. So thank you. And I get tips from people. I mean, they just send stuff along. I get, you know, long, you know, sermons too sometimes. And some of them don't agree with what I'm saying, but mostly they do. Most people that listen agree, I think. But anyway, this Cairo TV says, Governor Jay Inslee said the state is building a team of 1,500 COVID-19 contact tracers that will be one of the key components in reopening the economy. Well, that's a good thing. The economy needs to be reopened. But as they said in this Cairo TV, Cairo 7, Seattle, the state is also asking 500 members of the Washington National Guard to help with the effort, which will be activated with this new mission. 300 additional healthcare care uh, professionals and volunteers will also be trained. The team will include 700 state and local public health employees who are already trained and, as I said, 500 members from the Washington National Guard. Inslee said on Tuesday, this workforce will be a rapid response team. Well, what are they going to be responding to? I mean, all of these trained workers and National Guard and all of that kind of thing. Well, Governor Inslee said, and I'm quoting Cairo, and they're quoting him. He said, the team will focus solely on tracing a sick person who has been in contact with and telling those people to watch for symptoms to get tested or quarantined if needed. This helps contain the outbreaks. Health officials say aggressive contact tracing along with increased COVID-19 testing is necessary to get people back to work. We'll be processing 20 to 30,000 tests a day for our contact tracing. The idea is, as the economy slowly opens, testing and contact tracing will prevent a COVID patient from sparking a new outbreak. In other words, they're controlling people that have the virus. And again, I, I don't want to have contact with them. I mean, I understand that. But they said, and the, the governor said, we need to be available to have a system who can quickly identify who's COVID positive and then get them and all their contacts to stay at home rather than the and to have contact with the entire population. Well, we don't want them to have contact with the population, but it goes on. Now tech companies are working to help health officials with contact tracing efforts, and that, Cairo says, is raising privacy concerns. Well, it should. Dr. Patricia Arian the, uh, with the University of Washington Med- uh, Medicine School, uh, Medical School, she said once you start getting contact Contact, and she supports this, by the way, but she says this as a warning. She said, once you start getting contact tracing, it's a little, it's a little, but more complex. It's a little more complicated to keep people's identity protected. She's recruiting people. They're developing apps. She said, you start pinging on other people's phones, and I'm quoting her, and you've got a pretty good sense of where they are. Governor Inslee has told. Cairo and, and other news, Como and other news sources. But he said, don't, don't worry about this. There's a number of new technologies. They won't be invasive. We're not going to do more than just trying to suppress this pandemic. He says, we have met with folks from Google and Apple 
we're paying close attention to privacy and security issues on these apps, but he said, we want that info. We do want it to be anonymous, but we need that info. Well, Mayor Durkin, she, uh, Jenny Durkin, Seattle mayor, she said, you know, none of these technologies, she's, of course, supportive. She said, none of these technologies is perfect yet. I'm quoting her. I think we don't want to be where some of the other countries are, that really you have a barcode on whether you're safe or not. That's not who we are. But at the same time, we want to harness this technology in a smart way. I don't know what all that means. But it sounds like people who have less respect for personal freedom than some of us do. I'm not questioning what they're doing. We need to get this under control. But boy, we want to be careful. I'll tell you. U.S. Attorney General William Barr, he's, he's on this. He's threatening to take legal action against state officials who violate people's civil rights in general. In fact, he sent a two-page memo to federal prosecutors this week, and I wrote an article about this at faithandfreedom.us, and I linked to the memo. You can read it. He sent it to federal prosecutors, and he asked them to consider legal action against state and local governments that infringe upon citizens' civil rights as they enforce state lockdown policies. I mean, the motive is good. It's pure. We want to live. We don't want to die. And his memo acknowledges that the COVID-19 pandemic has required the imposition of extraordinary restrictions on all of our daily lives. However, he cautioned that even in times of emergency, the First Amendment and the federal law prohibit discrimination against religious institutions and religious believers. Barr says, quote, The Constitution is not sus- suspended in times of crisis. We must, therefore, be vigilant to ensure its protections are pr- preserved. At the same time, the public is protected. And he talks about the, he doesn't mention her by name, but he talks about the, the governor of Michigan, and she has just gone off the rail as Gretchen Whitmer. But that's the environment we live in. Our, our founders quoted at least a couple of times that are on the record when they were talking to one another, framing our country, the founding documents. They quoted Proverbs 29.2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Leadership comes and goes, but the Constitution should not be, and it should be protected at all costs. There's a photo in the Lewiston, Idaho newspaper that I, I couldn't resist. I saw it. It is a picture, and I put it in the article that I write every day, the blog. It's at faithandfreedom.us. I, I want you to look at this because it says it all. It's a picture that someone took. of. They published it this week. It's of a, a, a humongous big lightning strike, one of the largest I've ever seen. And I grew up you know, in central Washington where we have lightning storms and have spent a lot of time up in Priest Lake, Idaho, and they have really big storms up there. I've seen a lot of lightning, but this one is unbelievable. But on the other side of the picture, lighted in part by this lightning strike, is about a half of a rainbow. And it's an unusual picture. It's not something you see. I've never seen anything exactly like it. I have, I have titled this, The Power and the Promise. 
They didn't, but those are my words. God is in control. Well, listen, he is in control. We need to remain vigilant. And thank you for helping us do that by supporting this program. 